Hey, uh, hold up. <laughs> what do you mean you don't listen to podcasts? It'd be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> Welcome to the Be More Talkative Podcast with your host, TBK, the Baltimore Kid. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Be More Talkative Podcast. I am your host, TBK, or the Baltimore Kid. In a world today where communication and the human connection seem to be a foreign concept, your boy's just trying to bring back people get them talking again, seeing how they're doing. Today, I am joined by another backyard wrestler. This guy is actually the owner of his own backyard company. He goes by the name Josh Allen, the pain maker Josh Allen, real name Josh Hopkins, owner of Tennessee Backyard Wrestling. Josh, how you doing, buddy? Thank you, man. It's all to have me on that. I really appreciate it. It means a lot, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, for sure, dude. So what is it like, you know, being able to say that you're, you're the owner of your own company, you got your own thing going on? I mean, how, how does one get started with that whole thing? You just got a bunch of guys together one day and decided, hey, I'm going to throw up a ring in the backyard and we'll see what happens. Or was it like a more planned out, thought out thing? Well, honestly, I, you know, I got to go back in time here for this one. Um, Originally, before TWA ever began, uh, back, you know, I, I, you know, of course, everybody started on the trampoline. You know, when you're seven or eight or nine years old, I feel that's like I, mean. I feel like that's where it started for everybody. Everybody I've talked to so far is it's, yeah. it's all about the trampoline. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, I, we, I had two different sets of trampolines. I would make the most god awful rings uh, on that thing. I made the TNA six hundred ring at one point. Which was kind of cool, you know. We uh, uh, we had this uh, se- the second trampoline we had. Um, there we had this thing where you could put the, put a, put the cage up. Okay. And my my father didn't know how to do it, so I took those posts and used them for like ring posts and made the ring. And my brother, we'd get on there and wrestle and do all this. And then, but then what? But way before TW began, uh, I, me and a couple of the guys you know may have seen on the show people out there that have. That have, that have seen the show from day one or maybe recently would go to a local independent promotion called SWA. Uh, they started in, in Gallatin, Tennessee, down here in Tennessee, back in back, uh, way back, even before they came up to where, where my hometown is in Tennessee. And then in 2007, they came here and, you know, we would go there every Saturday night. Uh, every weekend, <clears throat> I got really acquainted with a lot of the wrestlers there. Uh, the later year before they shut down, the later years, back in 2016, before TW began, I um I got to work security for them, which was really an honor for that because I grew up, you know, watching these guys as a fan, as a mark in the seats, and then finally being able to work, you know, as a security guard for a little bit, and then they shut down. Uh, in 2016, and then the the next year following that, by this point we was all in high school. Um, we were all sophomores, and I was I was a sophomore in high school, and I was just thinking, you know, we was in uh, lunchroom or somewhere. I believe it was lunchroom, and we was all talking. It was me and a couple of the guys that was on the show from when we started out, and some of them are still with us today, like the Tilly Originals, like myself. Andrew Clay, my real life brother, fat Asian, comic Titan, the, the OGs that was there in the first season, they're still here today. Um, I was talking to Titan or Troy, and I said, "Hey, man, you know, since this today shut down, we got we got to do something. We got to do something because you know there's no wrestling in town anymore. All they gonna do is watch it on the TV, you know, like Raw or SmackDown or, or, or watching the or watching Independent Circuit on YouTube." Urban backyard on YouTube, and I just blatantly said, "Let's start our own thing." So, right after school, it was uh, it was in May or March of 2017 is when we started doing it, and um, and the first ever it was right after school. Um, so when we was all in high school together, and um, 
the first ever match was Atomic Titan versus Andrew Clay for the U.S. title. Season one, episode one, it was only one match. Of course, you know, we was all young, starting out. Didn't know much of anything, honestly, about wrestling. And I was actually repping that match. And then all of a sudden, it just blew up. You know, people in high school, every time I'd be in a classroom, when's TVW going to be out again? What's next? Uh, then, of course, we had a teacher. I'll drop his name, uh, Mr. Uh, Mahaney. He was a Spanish teacher. I think he, he was also a coach, if I remember right. He would actually show our stuff on the smart board during class. Oh, wow. And also, so it was the whole, it, it, you know, the, I've been really blessed, man, you know, uh, with the way it's been, way it's grown since, since then. Because I think what was good for us, because we was on high school and we got, we got the word out, promoted it out there, and then the whole school actually got to know about it. And I, there was a, a teacher that I had, uh, when it was a Tennessee studies class, uh, he was a he was a coach as well, uh, Mr. Dyer. Uh, funny enough, one of my the guy one guy that was in my class was Little Mike, which is one of the ten originals as well. So, of course, he's not been seen for quite some time. He's been doing different things, real life stuff, and I get that. Right, right. And, and we just told we, we would always get our work done. We would sit upside each other. And then I, we told the teacher, I said, as we said, can we go down and talk about TNW? He's like, sure, go on, sure. And we all went, we was talking like pretty much promoting it in the class and everything. And we and I found out that some guy was recording us for Snapchat. We was in there. It was, it was kind of funny and everything. And, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, it was it was it was crazy. Like how it blew up that fast. And then by, by episode two of the first season, that's when we bring in. Guys like Little Mike and Fat Asian and Redneck Mayhem, guys that I grew up with all my life. And it, and going back to the question, I think uh, you get a group of guys together that have the same passion, grew up watching the same thing, and it just works out. You know, that's that's the way it is. And whether you're whether you're going in the yard or whether it's an independent circuit or, or the big leagues, I mean, you gotta you gotta surround yourself with a group group of people that have the same mindset and enjoy the same thing. And that's kind of what all brought us together was wrestling, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. And you know what? Like I've said it before to people, you know, if, if it's a, if it's a true passion, then it'll, it, it, it'll never feel like work, you know? And it doesn't sound like it is for you guys. It sounds like, you know, it, it sounds like you guys were almost, uh, you were, you were born out of necessity due to the fact that that one school closed down and, you know, you guys wanting to keep wrestling going strong in your area, which that's commendable, you know, because you got yeah. a bunch of guys who could have easily thrown the boots away or given the tights up or whatever their case may be and just been like, well, it was fun while it was fun. And but you guys decided to carry the torch or whatever and not let it die. And that's that's really cool. I love seeing people take the bull by the horns and, you know, make something happen. Um, So you guys, you said you started in 2016, 2017, 2017. So you guys have been around for six years now. Correct. I mean, hey, man, that's that's again, that's no small feat. You know, like I feel like ever since I've gotten to know some of you guys like uh, uh, James Taylor, who I had on the last episode, guys, if you haven't listened to that one, make sure to go check that one out. But ever since I've met you and uh, and James and, and some of the other guys like Omen and Soldier, like it feels like there's a lot of like way more than I was aware of backyard companies, indie companies, you know, th that, that seem to have just sprouted up kind of like out of nowhere and are actually doing really well. So what would you say for you guys being able to have that, that six year, almost seven year run now, what, what is it the, you know, what is the staying power for you guys? Because again, uh, now I, and again, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to shit on anybody. I'm not trying to, that is not my intention at all. The backyard is, is kind of looked at, you know, as the, the minor of minor leagues, but you know, the, the thing about the backyard that I've noticed, and I'm sure you can attest to this is you guys have some of the most loyal fans. 
I've seen some of the stuff that you guys have done on YouTube. You guys aren't hurting for views. I mean, honestly, if it wasn't for the folks, the fans, we wouldn't be, be doing it, honestly, because, you know, like, you know, and honestly, uh, like, like you said with the whole backyard scene, I mean, out of nowhere, I mean, back when it was, back when ECW was a thing, back in like, like the, ni- the late 90s, early 90s, that's kind of when the whole backyard scene came about. And back then it was considered garbage wrestling because it was self-trained guys. And they, they didn't have the training and all that, yada, yada, yada. Right. But now, thanks to, you know, social media and YouTube and every, every, all the social media platforms, I think backyard wrestling has grown more now than it was back then. Because back then there was no Facebook, there was no YouTube, there was no this or that. Right. And then I think I think now <clears throat> backyard wrestling, it's it's evolved into something it's 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 evolved even more and it's grew more because honestly i mean if if you can't get into a wrestling school if you don't have the finances for that what's the alternative the yard i mean for god's sake i mean mick foley seth Rollins, finn Balor, the hardy boys the young bucks all those guys are out in the yard absolutely I mean, yeah i mean you know and that's the thing not to cut you off but like i think that's what a lot of people you know lose or forget like you know, if you if you go back to some of your favorite bands, like they didn't start off playing Madison Square Garden. You know, they started no, off no. in their mom's and dad's basements and, and you know, playing in the garage, th- doing the little block parties and the and the bar circuit and stuff like that. I mean, you you've got to start somewhere and it's it's no less respectable to start off there like and i i i'm trying to understand why backyarders get a lot of hate and a lot of that it's it's like you know like you said some people don't have the finances some people just want to do it out of the pure fact that they want to have fun i mean um i don't i don't feel like there's any reason to hate on somebody who genuinely loves what they do exactly i mean what i mean whether it's wrestling or music or whatever the case may be you gotta have a passion for it i mean yep you know a lot you know a lot of the independent guys look down on it because you know we're not we don't we're we're not you know, trained or whatever the case may be, or, but honestly, and then there's some of those guys, I'll, 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 I'll mention this. Um, I went to a, uh, an independent promotion, uh, that I get the, this, uh, the, the promoter who used to wrestle for the one company that we all go to, to watch, you know, every weekend as, as, as uh, in the SWA, he, it was called, it's called RWF. And the cool thing is that the, the, the newly crowned tag team champions, they're called the star twins. They're brothers. They're, they're twins. You know, after the show, I took a picture with him, and, they, and one of them said, he said, make sure to put TW side plates on them belts now. And I'm thinking, what did he just say? I'm like, did he mention? And he's like, and I was like, yeah, we, we've been watching. I, I, and, and it dawned on me how cool that, you know, these guys, I used to watch these guys in the ring when they were in the SWA. And now, all these years later, they're watching what I do in the yard. And they didn't shit on it. And I was like, wow, that's kind of cool to get that, you know, recognition. Because, I, like I said, I grew up watching these guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was it was cool to get that recognition and everything. And, you know, because a lot of a lot of like, independent wrestlers don't like backyard because, like I said, we're not uh, trained or whatever the case may be. But then there are some of those guys that kind of, you know, that will appreciate it. It's like, hey, keep doing what you're doing, you know, because, you know, I guess in my, in my opinion, they see uh, the passion that we all have for it. I mean, whether you're TBW or IMF or whatever backyard you might be i mean if you you gotta have a passion for it sure you know yeah and, and you know like i i've noticed too like a lot of the a lot of the bigger guys in in wwe aew um you know they will they will when they have the time and if if time allows and contracts allow they'll go back and they'll they'll make appearances on the indie circuit and stuff like that because they yeah, yeah. they recognize that you know those fans again the the indie circuit fans the backyard fans they're some of the most loyal because they they get it you know they they know to humble yourself like that and to come back you know being in a in a position where you're wrestling in front of 74,000 people a night or whatever the case may be the the astronomical numbers for WrestleManias and uh, AEW pay-per-views and stuff like that. You know, I've, I've heard it said before again, and to use the music analogy 
there's been bands that have said, yeah, we there's nothing that we love more than having the rush of 80,000 people screaming in our faces. But sometimes it's nice to peel back and have those intimate moments where you're just playing for like, I don't know, 200 to 300 people sometimes you get lost in that big crowd that big environment that big arena you know it's nice to to hear the fans chanting to to hear the the little cuss words that'll fly out of a fan's mouth because they're they're passionate about the the heel beating up the face and just to have those little moments back so no i i totally understand what you mean and um i'm sure getting that validation from those kind of guys was was uh you know just the the tip of the hat for you Oh yeah, I mean it was it was you know phenomenal to get that kind of recognition because like I said I was when I was younger I I I used to watch these guys in the ring every Saturday night at the SWA when they when they when they was a when they was open as a promotion and then you know that was kind of I mean, even the owner uh you know the first show that I went to the owner he, yeah he shook my hand pulled me aside I said hey tell your he said gather your boys up tell them to come out. You know, so that was kind of another, you know, kind of props, you know, because they didn't, you know, because they didn't hate it. I mean, it's kind of, you know, I, I've even had people now message me, you know, in the independent circuit that wants to do it with us. And that's kind of cool, too. Like, you know, a lot of these guys, I guess they have done it. I guess they want to go back to their roots. I don't, I, that's the only way I could, uh, uh, you know, think of the answer, you know, but it's kind of cool to, you know, get that recognition sure. and, and, did I ever think that we'd get this big? Honestly, between me and you, man, no. I never thought we would ever get to this state that we're in now because when we first, like, there was a time that we was really fixing to kind of, you know, close it because we, we, it was only, we had a, there was four people on the show at one time that this was back in 2018 and everything like that. And we, we, we only had like four people on the roster at the time. We were thinking, you know, God, we gotta, you know, when thankfully we had these other guys come in um, and then we kind of revived back up. And then 2018, 2019, we had people like, you know, that's when we brought in, that's when legend came in that's when gage flair came in and guys like that and honestly those two guys have done it back in like 2000 well gage was in 2002 back in 2002 that's when he started doing the backyard stuff and like of course obviously everybody knows him as the rick flair of the backyard server because i mean that's that's, that's just who he is I mean, it's him that he grew up you know a quick story to, to gage uh flair was kind of like a in a way a father figure, a mentor, because he would always watch Flair in the ring. Because you know everybody's got their opinions on Ric Flair. Sure, but you know honestly, he told me when he when he came in, before he came in, he was going to do a different gimmick. And I, and I said, dude, you've been you've done the Flair thing since 2002. Do what you know. Be do the Flair thing. Be Flair. That's 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 you to a T. And he's done that ever since. And that that's just who he is. I mean, you know. He's living, he's, he's the Ric Flair of the, of the backyard wrestling world. I mean, that's just him in a nutshell, man. Like, right. <laughs> then when Ledger came in, um, he was doing, he did the Joker gimmick when he first came in. We yeah. had this thing set where people would get attacked on the show, but no, you would see nobody, but you would see like the Joker smile on the eggs over the eyes right. and playing cards. And that, that led up to the, him and Gage's first throw map match on the show and of course that's when we had a ledger debut you know of course he you know obviously that, that was the, the joker gimmick which is his homage to him he ledger yeah obviously in my one of, the, one of the greatest jokers of all time in cinema oh, that's with, just my without question you know, it, it would be it would be him and then jack nicholson oh yeah yeah jack nicholson which was yeah before yeah. Heath, i believe yes. back in the 80s He's, so I mean, a lot of when you got people, you know, with Gage doing the Flair thing and Ledger doing the Joker thing, people's gonna say, you know, there, there's that fan base that say, oh, they're they're ripping them off, you know, blah blah blah. So yeah, then, so so I was gonna ask you, I, I I was actually gonna lead into that. So I've I've heard, you know, and I've been there through some of the some of the uh, podcasts that you got, well, shows or whatever that you guys have been on. Uh, shout right. out, by the way, to Tom Bryce uh, for Sportswire, um, obviously, which is where a lot of the backyards and independent guys go. Um, and now, I've I've seen the comments and stuff like that where you guys have been unceremoniously called, you know, uh, cosplay wrestling, that you guys are, are basically cosplaying off different 
different gimmicks that already exist. Ledger's been accused of, of running the whole Roman Reigns program. Atomic Titan with the American Dragon thing being a ripoff of Cody Rhodes and Daniel Bryan. Like, how how do you guys how do you guys feel about that whole thing? Do you, do you is it one ear out the other? Do you just like or do you treat it like you know everybody the the whole opinions are like assholes thing? Or, you know, like, is is there any sense where you guys are like, huh, maybe it is a little similar? Well, I mean, that's, that's a good question. I mean, everybody's got their opinions, you know. But sure. there's, like I said, there's these fans that say, oh, you're ripping off this person. And then you get the other fans that say, oh, it's kind of an homage or a tribute. Right. You get those type of fans. And honestly, in my opinion, when I look at the Fleur gimmick and I look at Ledger doing the Joker thing, in my eyes, I don't see, it's, it's, a, it's a tribute, an homage to what, you know, like it is, you know, and like with me doing the whole the pain maker thing. Um, when I saw Jericho do it in New Japan when he when he had the match with Omega and at Wrestle King. That's yeah. before he, he he before that he was doing, you know, the typical Jericho light up jacket, the list gimmick, you know. Right, the, but right. then when, when he became the pain maker, I was like Hmm, that's yeah, that's a reinvention of him, and I, I, I liked it. And I was and I was talking to Titan about doing something like that, using the same nickname. And for the longest time, um, I was doing the whole Jericho thing. I wore a, a, a black hat. I wore a leather jacket. I did the whole face paint the nine yards. And then I uh, then one day, and this was pretty epic for me. I, I, there was a, I, I have a friend of mine. Shout out to Jody uh, out of Nevada in, in Vegas who's an independent professional wrestler, uh, sent a, um, something to me on on Instagram. He said, and it was all caps. He said, yo, look at this. And I was like, you know, I think we got, we was training that day. Well, I had all, all the guys are here. And I'm thinking, what in the world is this? So he sends me a, a photograph. So I click on it and it reads clearly, it's it's on Twitter. Some guy tweeted Titan versus myself with the pain maker. Okay. Some guy put it on Twitter. The next thing I see, Jericho retweeted that entrance and said, "This is amazing. Go for it, Josh." After that, and I'm thinking, "Oh wow!" Is somebody, at first, I didn't see it, but at first, I was like, "Is somebody pranking me? What, yeah, you know is, what the is hell?" Somebody Man, giving like, the old the old rib, huh? That's what I, that's what I was thinking. Right. But then when I seen it, I was like, "Oh shit!" And this is the guy's treatment. I legit hauled ass out of my room. <laughs> Ran out the door, <laughs> full sprint, like an Olympic freaking sprint, and I showed all the guys. Me and all the guys just went ape shit. It was kind of cool to kind of get that, you know, recognition from the guy that from the guy that did the gimmick. Well, I was gonna say that that that's that's the big nod there. You don't, I mean, to get the official nod from the guy, it doesn't get much better than that. Oh, man, I tell you, man, dude, it, it was insane. It was it was it was an amazing to have to be able to. You know, you know, I to who for the guy that retweeted the, that tweeted that I whoever you where you may be, I thank you. And it was it was really cool to get that you know that nod of approval. It's like, hey, you know, go for it. That's <laughs> but that's awesome. That's awesome. And see, here's something I wanted to bring up, and and you know, I'm I'm sure you'll be able to appreciate this. You know, to the guys that are being called the the cosplayers and the guys that are ripping off gimmicks and stuff. You gotta. We'll we'll take it. We'll put Ledger on the chopping block here, and and for obvious reasons. But you'll see where I'm going with this. So one of my uh, all time favorite wrestlers was Sting, and you know Sting when he first came in, his his first his first makeup scheme, he's gone on record to say was an homage to the Ultimate Warrior. Was he ripping him off? No, he was just a big Warrior fan. You know, Sting Sting had gone through many 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 different makeup changes um including the whole you, you know the black and white paint then he went and did the crow gimmick then for everybody who doesn't or may not remember or for those who do sting actually did a, a joker gimmick and you yeah, know uh, so so again like is it is it fair to say okay Ledger is not an independent wrestler. He's not, you know, and again, I'm not trying to shit on the guy. I'm just spitting facts. He's not, he's not anyone 
super noteworthy in the wrestling world but why is it okay for a guy like sting you know and and all, all power to fucking sting that guy's career absolutely speaks for itself but again he was paying homage to the joker uh, ledger ledger obviously being a b uh, a big heath ledger fan is paying homage to the joker but it seems like it's okay for one and not the other. Right. I mean, you know, uh, when Sting, I mean, a little, a little bit of fun fact, back in the day when Sting was, I'm, I'm sure you remember this, but maybe you will, and other people as well may not, uh, Jim Helwig, you know, lots of war, and Sting was actually tag partners in the Memphis Territory. They were the Freedom Fighters. They sure were. Then they became, then they became the Blade Runners. Absolutely. Which that was really, you know, of course, then Jim went to the went to the WF and Sting went to, you know, WC, uh, in the NWA or WCW or Crockett Promotions. Did this old server Sting thing. And he did that for a while. Then when it became WCW, and that's when like Kevin Ash and Scott Hall came there. And it was credited by Scott Hall that, that, that told Sting about the Crow, Brad, the Brandon Lee movie, which that's where he got the inspiration of, from the gimmick. That's right. And if it wasn't for Scott Hall uh, giving him that nod or the idea, I think Sting would have, I, I don't know what, what, what would Sting's uh, career be then? You know, would he fan it off or what, I mean, what would happen? We don't know. Uh, <laughs> but Yeah, I guess, I guess that one's hard to say because, I mean, Sting, Sting is the is the icon for a reason. Like, that guy... Right. You know, he 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 was pretty much um, what many have referred to as WCW's Undertaker. You know, he was loyal to them. He he um, he stuck there. He stayed there. And still, even when he had a chance to come to WWE, he what he did that one match with Triple H at WrestleMania, uh, maybe did a couple TV appearances and then right back out the door. And as soon as AEW popped up and he popped up on AEW, I was, you know, I was like, oh my God, like back then I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I wasn't ready to give AEW any kind of credibility. And I don't think a lot of people were either until you started having guys like Jericho and Cody, obviously being the VP at the time. And then, right. you know, Daniel Bryan made his way and Mox made his way and Adam Cole made his way and then and then you know the stinger pops up and it's like okay they got sting holy shit yeah like i mean when sting was in the you know cuz uh going back to into sting's career rick flair uh pointed he said that i want to i want to help that kid i want to make that kid a star and he did that took him under his wing they had that clash of the champions match for the world title, and that may sting a star. That may sting a household name because he went the whole match against Flair. Flair retained, even though Sting lost. I mean, that, there's a lot, there's a respect factor to this day that Flair and Sting have to this very day because you know if Flair didn't have took Sting under his wing and said, "I want to work with this kid," who knows what happened? And then, go, like you know, going back to his WWE uh, debut at the Survivor Series, honestly, back then. When I was watching it, I didn't think that you know because they, they back then they, they was promoting the game, but you could you know download the server thing and the crow thing in the game. Right, and he was on the recording of the game, and I'm thinking maybe you know, eh, what if you know? Then Survivor rolls around, boom, he debuts against the Authority, Triple H and Stephanie and their group from the Survivor's team, uh, and then of course they did the whole. WCW versus WWE storyline with that, and I'm thinking, and honestly, between me, man, it was cool to see Sting there for the nostalgia, sure. Because for so long, he he had he had many he had many opportunities to go there, and they was wanting Sting bad back in when 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 WCW closed down. As a matter of fact, I believe at WrestleMania they wanted a Sting. It's, I, I can't remember who said this, but apparently they wanted Sting at a WrestleMania. I think it might have been 18. They wanted him to face Kurt Angle. Oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. That's what I heard. It was it was, was going to be at some WrestleMania. They was wanting Sting to face Kurt Angle or at some of WrestleMania. There, and he there was him. there was talks of him uh, of him facing Angle, and then of course the big one of him facing Taker. And unfortunately, we never got that match. I honestly don't think we will ever get that match, which is, as a fan, that is super disappointing because that is that is honestly two of my absolute, without a doubt, favorites, um, hands down. 
And, you know, like, I feel like it would show two absolute, you know, legends, just fucking warriors, you know, going out there, representing their companies and just fucking throwing down. But, you know, obviously Undertaker with the recent, uh, you know, uh, recently retiring, um, you know, Sting is, is still on AEW, still a part of AEW. I just, I think, I think that's the, I think that's always going to be known as the dream match that, you know, should have been. Yeah. I also agree with you there too, because a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of similarities in Taker and staying with, you know, their whole dark personas and everything of that nature. And I think, you know, honestly, you know, if that match would have happened, if it did, let's say it did happen, how in the world would you book a finish? How would you like, would it honestly, it might, it's just me as a fan. You know, honestly, if that match happened, honestly, because you got to imagine, let's say if it's at a WrestleMania, it would also go to Taker because, you know, he that's, that was his thing at WrestleMania the streak. Right. Uh, but between me and you, man, honestly, I can definitely, if, if that match even occurred, I can definitely see the crowd being divided. Half of the crowd being for Taker, half of the crowd being for Sting, kind of like Rock and Hogan at WrestleMania 18 in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as who wins, I can see that being a draw. I I, I couldn't see, you know, uh, you know, one of them guys. That's something I could see it being a draw, in my opinion. Or I could, but honestly, if I had to pick a winner of that, uh, I think Tagger would go over Sting. That's just my opinion, honestly. Well, I mean, that's you the know? thing, right? So both of them have they've they've never had that that stigma of being hard to work with. Um, in fact, everyone who has ever worked with either one of them has said of, you know, how gracious they are in the ring and how, you know, they, they were always, they were always business minded, you know, no, no matter what they were asked to do, if they were asked to do it because it was what was best for business, they were going to do it. So in that situation, it's just a matter of who the higher ups think will create the biggest buzz, create the biggest pop, which with, with right. the two of them, it's hard to say. It's a hard call. I mean, I, I've again, and I know I'm, I'm sure there's people who have heard this a million times from me by now. I am probably one of the biggest Mark Calloway marks that there is by the slightest edged margin I would want to see Taker win, but I would not be upset if if Sting were to pick up a victory in that uh, because, I mean, really, I feel like if you can't be sent home happy after seeing those two guys in the ring, then what what are you what are you looking for? <laughs> if you're not happy with that, I mean, there's something wrong. Honestly, in my opinion, you know, but honestly. Going back to Taker, when I when I first get, started watching wrestling back in 2007, Taker was the first guy that I actually was watching on the street. And also, dude, I was scared shitless of the <laughs> dead man, all of the stuff that he would do on the street. And I'm like, I was fully into it. I'm like, is yeah. this guy dead? Is he fucking dead? And like, is he like, is he a zombie? You know, what the fuck is he, man? And I'm like, <laughs> but then, and I, I love the gimmick. And then, of course, you know, do the research and going back to the 90s when he when he came in with Brother Love, Bruce Pritchard. Yep, yep. And I'm like, honestly, my favorite Taker era has got to be that one. That's, that's when he was new to, to the WWE. And I was like, the 91 Taker, I love that Taker. And I, and I love the the Taker, you know, when he came back in 2004, Face Canada's 20. And a lot of people love the different version because, you know, there's the, the mortician Taker, there's the, you know, the outlaw Western like Taker, and there's the American badass. Mm-hmm. all those different you know variations and honestly i mean i love every you know reincarnation of taker because i mean it's taker i mean how, i mean how can you not hate the dead man i mean well you know, I, mean, I mean that that's the thing that's why his his gimmick and and his persona is so <laughs> revered because it didn't matter what era he was in he was able to transform he was able to mold he was able to be believable because I've I've heard and watched my fair share of documentaries where uh you know a wrestler will say that doing that that many times is is the death of a gimmick you know that can absolutely tarnish a gimmick and and take away its believability but when you have a guy who you know I mean let I don't think I've ever said this out of my mouth before but it's been said by him himself you you've got a 
wrestling undertaker a a, a, a you know a western mortician you know how do you make that translate into the ring well he did it and he did it successfully for 30 years right. you know right and then after you know the whole attitude era kicked around and he was uh he was leading the ministry of darkness at that point he he went on to say he was like there was no way that i could be a ministry cult leader and go up against guys like stone cold or the rock or chris jericho guys who were just verbal fucking assailants on the mic he was like a guy like the 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 gimmick that i had the ministry taker he would have been decimated by those types of promo artists back then and then by a stroke of brilliance decides to come back on a fucking motorcycle yeah i mean this this is a guy not to cut you off sorry but this is this is a guy who's you know putting putting stephanie mcmahon on giant undertaker symbols and and trying to sacrifice stone cold steve austin with paul bear he comes back on a fucking bike and everybody's like yep nope that's that's i accept it (laughs) yeah like yeah like to me that that was mark callow that was that was mark that was the undertaker right you know and honestly you know, Taker's longevity for 30 years to, to keep that gimmick. I mean, you got to think. He, he rarely made public appearances. Yep. Hardly ever. Yep. Like, you know, stuff like that. Because, you know, if, if he would have done that, that would have kayfabe the gimmick. Because people thought, you know, this guy is dead. You know, something like that. Sure. And the cool, the cool thing about this is, with Paul and Taker, a lot of people may know or may not know. Way before he became Undertaker, Paul and Taker worked together because at the time, Paul was Percy Pringle the Third, yep. and Taker was Texas Red in the WCCW territory. That's right. He was he was uh, he was Texas Red. Oh, excuse me. He was Texas Red. He was uh, Mean Mark Callis. Um, yep. Yeah, and and you part, know, part of the, to, to part of the Skyscrapers as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's right. Um, and you know, to, to have, to have somebody, whoever this person was, I'm sure has kicked themselves in the ass over and over and over to tell that man, Hey, you're great in the ring, but no one's ever going to pay money to see you wrestle. Like, <laughs> and, yeah, I bet, the, I bet the really kicking themselves in the ass. I bet it for, for in the ass for that. Cause like, you know, I just, you know, like, and even when, because I've seen that documentary that Taker was talking about that, that when he became the Undertaker about the gimmick, mm-hmm. he said that he said that Vince was wanting he had the gimmick in mind for years, but he couldn't find the right guy to portray the gimmick. Right, right. You know, and honestly, <laughs> Taker, I think Mark was afraid that you know he would be put in a different gimmick, and I'm sure everybody has seen that one clip. He's like, when he when when Vince called Mark, he says, "This is Undertaker." He said. Yeah, this is the Undertaker, you know, because you know, <laughs> there you go, you know, you know. But yeah, I mean, Taker's longevity for thirty years of one gimmick, yeah, and being in one company speaks for itself. I mean, he never went nowhere else. He was he was always WWE until he retired. Absolutely. And I tell you, I tell you when he retired, I, I tried buckets, man. I was like, ugh. I, I was, I'm like, no, come on, man. Like, you know, because. I, you but, know, I, and I'll, I'll tell you right now, like I, uh, I still think till this day and you know what, it's not me. It's not for me to speak on a man's career, or how he should go out or whatever, but the, the unfortunate fact that he had to retire during the, what is, uh, what is unfortunately known as the pandemic era for him to to go out there and end his career in front of nobody man that hurt my heart so bad you won the only one man because honestly if we're going to honor the dead man honor mark calloway the undertaker the american badass yeah it should have been with people it should have been with a live audience I mean, like while watching that because you could hear you know the the audio of the thank you taker and there's no way there it was it was sad to see yeah 
I mean, know, of course, of course, the Paul Bear hologram that that was touching. That was you know, cool. That was cool. touching. Yeah, and I'm sure, and I'm sure, you know, somebody could easily say, well, they more than made up for it for his Hall of Fame uh, induction, which, uh, yeah. and, and that was most certainly deserved, well deserved. Um, yeah, but- there, there's a there's a spot where if you pay attention to the to the full Hall of Fame ceremony um where you know the crowd for like what 10 15 minutes was just doing their thank you taker and undertaker and all that stuff they pan the camera over to the um to the roster that's you know out on the stage there and you can see ricochet and i forgot who he's talking to but the the girl who's next to him she goes this is absolutely insane and he says I know it is, but he deserves every single moment of it. Oh, yeah, by far, because, you know, like, I mean, you got to think, man, for 30 years, staying in one place, never going nowhere else, he definitely did deserve that recognition because, I mean, my God, he was a, a lot of people. He was a locker room leader backstage, I mean, you know, and all that <laughs> and everything else. I mean, honestly, and, you know, it, it was, a. I think that that, Send off to me there was way better than it was at Survivor Series. Even though that's where you know Tiger got his start, but to me that that Hall of Fame speech and the Hall of Fame induction well deserved for a fantastic career, and it was it was awesome to see that honestly get that recognition for him. Yeah, absolutely. So I asked this question to uh, James Taylor. I'm going to ask it to you. Um, so. What was it, you know, when when you you first, you know, were sitting around in the living room or talking with buddies or whatever, what was it or who was it that, you know, spoke to you and, and touched that little part of your soul and was like, man, this is what I want to do. Who is Josh Hopkins' goat? Oh, my God. There's been, oof, there's a lot of guys I can list, but honestly, I can remember being seven um, watching WWE and like, there's a lot of guys. For James, obviously, it would, it's Stone Cold and Triple H, those guys, and, and those guys have had fantastic careers. But to me, the first guy that I saw that really got me hooked uh, was the Dead Man because that was the first guy that I saw uh, literally just grab my attention and captivate him into the screen. Because you got to admit, Taker had the, this is my opinion, had the greatest entrance of a professional wrestler. Because, I mean, you got to admit, the, the gong, <laughs> druids, everything, the whole package, man. And I think that, to me, it, that, it just drew my attention. And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. And then, honestly, Years later, when I did, when I was, when I became doing the backyard stuff, my finish was the choke slam. That was my finish. I, that was my, my nod to the dick because I, I, you know, I love the choke slam because anybody can take the move. Honestly, you know, all you're doing is just lifting up and dropping them on the, on, on the canvas, like they're back on the canvas. Sure. You know, um, and, you know, Taker is obviously right up there. Uh, Sting is up there as well uh also uh i'll throw in the uh, dusty roads i love du- i love dusty's work absolutely you know, being, big dusty, shout out to the american dream dusty had a great mindset you know a great mindset for the business and well I, it, I it is it is going on record to to be said that uh people people have said that dusty is by far and away probably one of the best wrestling minds period yeah, but my by far, I think, because you know, obviously, you know, uh, you know, that's when the, before NXT there was MCW, and he would always coach in that, and for the next generation of talent, and he did the same with NXT that and people with guys like Rollins and Reigns and sure all those guys like that, and you know, of course, you know, of course, his sons Dustin and you know Goldust and Cody and all that, and uh, but yeah, and like. And another guy, um, for not promo wise, mic skill wise, love Roddy Piper. Okay. One of the best, one of the best smash. Ma- I mean, you were talking about a guy that had heat back in the eighties. Oh yeah, had heat. I mean, 
it was you know hot rod was a good talker roddy you roddy know? was uh roddy was so hated that 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 they started uh literally having to have security flank him because people were trying to stab him <laughs> yeah back then i mean it was like people they wielded knives and guns and all that stuff i mean it's just because you know honestly even in the territory days they would do that too because oh yeah a lot of a lot of the people you know a lot of the people you know uh i guess took it to heart i mean i mean you know plus down in the south the southern territories yeah, a lot. It was. It, it would be a lot worse. You, you had. You, you would have guys. You know, slash tires. You'd have. You know, all that stuff. And it was because it, I, I, it was crazy. I mean, and the cool thing is, um, I, I have a cousin on my father's side who is still. He's actually. He's still alive. Uh, I got to meet him two other years ago. He came down here to Tennessee. Uh, he lives up in, in, in Indiana. He was more like, uh, up in Indiana. Indianapolis way and he actually w was a wrestler he was actually a professional wrestler back in the 60s and 70s and he said well, he said they would wield knives they would do all kinds of shit and he said and he was always a heel he never turned face he was always a bad guy and he and the cool thing was he was he was actually real good friends uh with I don't know if you remember Dick the Bruiser back in the territory days Dick the Bruiser sure he was actually a real good friend with Dick the Bruiser and tagged with him. And he said the Southern crowds was the worst. Uh, they was the worst. Cause I mean, you get those fans that really take it to heart and believe it, you know, I mean, that's what they do. And it was kind of cool to actually get to meet him and talk. He said, he said, he said, son, if you ever want to get the business, be a heel because the heels draw the cash. Oh, they proud yeah. because you know, a lot of, and, you know, you, you have to have a heel and you have to have a face. Yep. You have to, have, you have to have a heel to literally, because in wrestling, and this is my opinion, in wrestling, there's more heels than faces because the heels draw the crowd. They draw the money. The people pay to see a baby face. You know, but try and try and try against the national heel. And then they finally, they, they, at the end of the day, the heel has to get the comeuppance. That's the payoff. The, the finally see the baby face finally triumph over the heel. Oh, the whole good and evil, the whole yeah. good and evil analogy there. Absolutely, yeah, no, and and people say that you know heels, heels are the storytellers. You know, you've got right. you've got to have the crowd behind that face. If they're not behind that face. For whatever reason, then you know, the the story the story gets lost, right? And and there are instances now where you know people have obviously people are well aware of you know the the shtick and the gimmick and and kayfabe being yep. what it is. So th there are there are some heels that are more beloved than the face, and then you know, so it's kind of like what do you do in that situation? Even though. You know, you're the baby face. You're going out there. You're slapping hands, kissing babies, and and hugging kids, and and grabbing the signs and taking pictures, and you're you're getting a half-ass crowd chant, and then the <laughs> heel comes out and the place fucking explodes. What do you do then? Right, exactly. I mean, you know, because the heel's job is to get the heat. Absolutely. The, the heel, because if you're if you're a good heel, you have to get heat. In order for this the whole thing to work, if you're not getting heat as a heel, you're not doing your job. That's right. Because that's what, that's what the heel is, is. The heel is designed to get the heat. You want people to hate you. What county do that people hate me and want to, to cheer for this baby face? Because the baby face's job, you know, is to get the adulation, to get you know, the applause, and you know, like you said, the shaking the hands, kissing the babies, the photographs. If you're a heel, you don't do that. Right. You know, because back, back in the day, the baby faces, you know, they do all the, you know, the, the public appearances, the autograph signings, but the heels, they would stay in the back, in the backstage. They wouldn't go out and mingle with the crowd because that, you know, the whole, whole kayfabe aspect. Right. You know, because, you know, that, you know, because, you know, that's what they would, the, the baby faces would do that. Sure. And, and nowadays, and now, this generation now, and, kayfabe it's like you know it's just it's kind of not you know 
not around anymore because now you're seeing heels come out and, you know, talking. I mean, it's, you know, but, but, yeah, people say, yeah, the changing of the times, but, you know, but, but me, it's crazy because I'm, I'm only 23, man. And I have, I have this old man like mine. So I don't know why. I, I just, it's probably because, you know, I do, I love doing my research. I love to study and, you know, you know, like re- do my research over, over wrestling or a certain wrestler or even a promotion, you know, because, you know, and I look and I look, you know, cause you have to do your research, you know, sure. research is very important, you know, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and plus kayfabe, you know, cause back, you know, back then kayfabe was a, was a code to a lot of, you know, cause back then, let, let's say an example, let's say, you know, Rick Flair and Stang had, had a match. And you wouldn't see them at a Waffle House, you know. You're not for me. You you couldn't do that, right? I yeah. mean, yeah. yeah, you know, everything, everything that was, you know, yeah. friendly or whatever, it was all done behind the curtain. But while right. while they were there and they were on, you know, there was no shaking hands. There was no well, up until the whole um, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and the you know that when the guys actually broke kayfabe, uh, and we all know what happened as a result of that but um but you know uh, yes kayfabe back then kayfabe was law there was no breaking kayfabe and if you did you 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 either caught an ass whooping or you got told about yourself because that was that was the nature of the business that was how you know it kept it it protected it right i mean because back then it was like you know, it, like you said, kayfabe was law back then. If you was caught with a, like a, you know, a face was caught together, not good. You either probably get suspended or probably even get fired at that. Cause you, that was to the, cause Kate, the, wrestling is like the mafia. You can't get out of it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you can't cause back then it, it was that it cause you know, you didn't want to cause the fans wasn't smarting up to it. Sure. You know, if they saw you know, let's say they saw Fleur and Sting together, they'd be like, up, oh, you know, what y'all supposed to, you know, they would, you know, all oh, y'all, y'all, you know, they, they would, you know, they would know it was scripted. Right. And a lot of people, they don't, you know, a lot of people will throw on the word fake. And also, a lot of guys don't like that word in wrestling. They, they rather use the word, you know, predetermined or choreographed. Sure. With me, I like, I'd rather use the whole choreographed word because, you know, a lot of people don't like using the word, even though wrestling is choreographed or predetermined but to me it uh jesse ventura one time uh the body you know uh i said and i love this quote that he said about wrestling he said that wrestling was a was physical theater yes you can be physical and still act sure you know and i and i love that because i mean that's 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 how guys like uh i mean hulk and and andre the giant were getting movie roles even back then you know like like it or like it or not they might not be on the hollywood stage but they are very much acting right oh yeah by far because you know you're playing a gimmick you're playing a role you're playing a character sure and and a lot of people you know but, but a lot of people can leave the gimmick in the ring but when you're back, the you know behind the curtain, you yeah, that's you, that's your real self. And a lot of guys, honestly, they can become the gimmick, make you live the gimmick. You know what I mean? And and honestly, um, not to throw shade at Ric Flair, but honestly, Ric Flair lives the gimmick. He's he's no to me, he's Ric Flair. He's no longer R- R- Richard Morgan Flair. Right. You know, he, he's Ric to me. And honestly. And he was said it himself. He's not been himself. He is. He doesn't know his real self, but because all he has known was, you know, the, the limousine riding, get, you know, wheeling, dealing, son of a gun, yada, yada, yada. That's all he, he done that. Sure. You know, for all of his life, you know, and that's all he knows. And a lot, and a lot of guys can get that way, but, but a lot of guys can separate the, the personal life from the gimmick. Right. You know, right, right, right. It's 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 a, it's a gimmick. It's a character, you know. There's a switch you have to you have to do, like you know. Let's you know for me, like when I'm behind, when I'm behind that curtain, I'm I'm Joshua Hopkins. But when I'm through that curtain, 
I'm the pain maker, you know, the whole, the doing what I do, you know. Sure. And, you know, it, it, that's the way it works. I mean, I mean, for God's sake, I mean, when I see, you know, you know, another example, when I see Ledger doing his thing behind the screen, behind the curtain, it's just real simple. When that camera goes on, it, it's full on Ledger. And, and you can see the switch yeah. happen, you know, when, when they go into that character mindset, you know. Right. And, and I, and I really enjoy what I do, you know, because it's, you know, I've done it as of 2017 and, you know, and, you know, a lot of, you know, and I'm, and I'll even, and I'm not the best wrestler, never, never claimed it, never wanted to be. I think what a lot of, what a lot of the people love about me is, uh, my talking abilities, my mic skills. Right. And, and I've been, and, I, and I've been a face, I've been a heel. And a lot of the guys say, dude, you're a bored heel. Cause you, you obviously, cause as a heel, it's more fun to be the bad guy yeah. because being the bad guy, it's, you know, a lot more fun, you know, because it's a lot easier because being the baby face, the baby face, you have to, you got to work when you're a baby you got, face, you got to work and, and you, you have, you have to work because you have to get the, you have to get, get the fans behind you. Yes. And you have to get them invested in you, invest in the storyline, et cetera, et cetera. That's right. And also the heel have, have the heels. They got the easy job. They just they, they just got to get the heat. That's right. You know absolutely. I'm, you know, like so it's 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 funny how you mentioned the um, the the mic skills. So you had mentioned uh, Roddy Piper. You know, Rod Rod was you know one of those guys who was super animated, super loud. He, he, he commanded a, a room by yelling, screaming, getting all, you know, fired up and stuff. Again, never going to shit on a legend. I have no business doing so. But again, I got to be honest with you. Guys like Ric Flair, guys like uh, uh, Roddy and guys like even even Hawk for a while, you know, them guys who were real animated and real, you know, let me tell you something, brother. I feel like I have to yell everything I say, blah, 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 blah. You know, I don't know, dude, those guys never resonated with me. The guys that resonated with me, no one has mentioned him yet. And I'm quite surprised is Jake, the snake Roberts. He, exactly. Cause Jake, I'm going to cut y'all, man. Jake, but he when he would cut a promo, he would never yell. It was a still, small voice, soft and, and silent. And that, that, that killer, like that snake killer, is like drew you to the camera because he didn't have to yell. He didn't have to raise his voice like you know, like Hogan would do or Hog would do or anybody would do. And honestly, Jake, great promo work, great mic skill work, definitely hundred percent. And he be before. And of course, he was in, you know, uh, in the his father was, you know, Grizzly Smith, and I think mm-hmm. in the family business as well. And I mean, for God's and, sake, man, hey, you know, he's he's the inventor of one of the most well-known wrestling moves in history. Exactly the DDT. The I mean, DDT. You know, he, he used to use the knee lift, and then yep. of course he had a match with one guy. And the way the, the, way the story goes, he, you know, he fell back. And Jake fell with him, and they both fell. Yep. And it, and then he then the crowd was like, oh. and but he said, and they got and the guy went back to the state. And, you know, they went back. He said, I don't know what the hell you did, man. We, we, we you had something. And then of course that was the DDT. You know. Right. And then now you see that we're in wrestling nowadays. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. Everywhere. I mean, there's, there's different. There's it, different. There's different variations of it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. You know, like, um, I mean, dude, if you look at it, like he inspired some of my absolute favorite guys, which would be the undertaker, which would be Kane, which would be even sting when he started doing the whole crow thing. He sting got animated when he was doing, you know, like I said, when he had his brighter color makeup, when he was emulating ultimate warrior and stuff like that. But, uh, and then of course, you know, uh, Still a still a soft subject, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention his name. Rest in peace to the late great Bray Wyatt. Um, guys like that, like I said, that that didn't have to raise their voice, that could just command that camera, you know, and you were you were hanging off of every single word instead of getting, you know, yelled at and shit. 
Like I, I see a lot in the, uh, the backyarders that I've, I've witnessed, you know, watching Tom's show. Uh, again, if you guys haven't followed Sportswire Radio on YouTube, make sure you do that. Tell Tom I sent you. But, uh, but, um, but, you know, a lot of the guys that I see today, they, they, they rock that, you know, bravado, the, the cockiness, the, you know, the point and the yell and the, all that other stuff. I, I, and it just, it just doesn't click with me. I just, I, I can't respect it because the way, you know, I was told by somebody that, that I looked up to growing up and he was absolutely right. He said to me once, he was like, the loudest man in the room is the weakest man because they feel like they have to puff their chest up and they have to get loud to get attention, to get all eyes on them. The person who stays calmest and delivers their message, that's the strongest man in the room. And to sit there and watch these guys, like I said, just real calm, just just real soft-spoken, saying every word that they needed to say, and you're just sitting there like, oh, man, what the hell is he going to say next? You know, those yeah. those are the guys that catch my attention. Those are the guys that I love. Oh, yeah, exactly. By far, you know, they don't like it. So they, you know, they ain't got to raise their voice or, you know, like Hogan, like, you know, doing his stick or whatever. Like, you know, and honestly, that, that you know, a lot of the, you know, because when you're cutting a promo, like whether they, with whatever side you're on, whether you're face or heel, you have to command that camera. You have to get people invested. You have to get that audience invested in what you're saying. Yep. And if you don't, they're not going to buy into it. They're not going to get behind you and root for you or cheer you or boo you. It's like when I'm doing my thing on, on TBW when I'm managing Ledger. And, you know, sometimes I'll get a little bit, not much, but it's more like I'm more hyping him up. I'm hyping him up. I'm hyping up the match, right. the storyline. You have to do that. Sure, you know? sure, uh, sure. Because, you know, we, we've been doing this thing, you know, um, the the anarchy or the anarchy kingdom the anarchy list we have we have these people that we've that he's defeated on a list and you know uh, we, we're doing this thing now like we brought because when he when when Ledger started started to, when he became when he came into TW he had two guys with him I can't remember they were called Spanning Club well uh, we went we went into anniversary six. Which was like our WrestleMania. It was a uh, Legend versus Daniel Cole. Daniel Cole was like our Brock Lesnar per se. Uh, we had this whole thing built up. You know, like he's going to be the one to finally defeat, you know, Ledger. He's finally going to put an end to all this, right? Well, we brought back Spade and Club as a swerve at the end of the finish, and they help Ledger finally retain the belt. And now we, with the, you know, we've got Ledger, we've got myself, and we've got Spanning Club, you know, and the four now, we're the Anarchy Kingdom. And it's like, you know, it's, it all, it's kind of, it all come full circle. And one of the guys even, even mentioned that idea. He's like, yeah, bring back Spanning Club. And we're like, you know, to, to keep it fresh, to keep it, you know, new, you know, to the audience. And we're like, okay. So we, we brought him back and people was like, you know, what, you know, people was like, what the fuck are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> right. You know, a lot of people was like, what the, you know, shocked and, you know, and everything because, you know, we, we built that, you know, we kind of had him built as the knight in shining armor, you know, as the guy that's, you know, gonna, you know, finally put into all this. And well, he didn't, you know, that was, you know, that was kind of a cool moment for uh, the anarchy kingdom camp for sure. Definitely. <clears throat> nice. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, we're coming in a little bit over an hour here. I, I want to say thank you for being on the show, man. I've, I, it's, it's been fun. You've been a great guest, brother. Anything. Yeah, dude, absolutely. And I hope you had a good time. Uh, if yep. there's, if there's anything that you want to plug for TBW anywhere that uh, people can find you guys, anywhere that they can follow you at, and then you know what? For a little bit of fun, after you're done plugging everything, I want you, if you feel comfortable, just cut a little 30 second promo. It can be on me, it can be on the show, it can be on, you know, whoever Ledger's got coming up next. Just have at it, brother. The floor is yours. 
right. I, I had a feeling you want me to do that. But yeah, um, you can uh, follow us, uh, Tennessee Backyard Wrestling. We are on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Uh, TikTok as well. Uh, TW, it's TW2017 at kw 2017 on TikTok. Uh, you can find us if you want merchandise. We're on redbubble.com. Uh, just type up, you know, TBW merch shop Redbubble. You'll find us on there. Um, but yeah, I mean, to, to the people that have supported us, whether you're an original fan for 2017 to now, I really I thank you very much. I'm honored blessed, humbled uh, this very day, and yeah, you can find us on all uh, pretty much uh, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, of course, YouTube as well. Uh, I want to give a shout out to um, <clears throat> there's a there's a company we have worked with called Resurrection Wrestling in, in Memphis, Tennessee. Shout out to those guys. Uh, they are, they're, they're making the transition from backyard to, the, to running actual venues. And they have actually had a few of our guys on that. And I thank y'all for that. Thank you to uh, Joe and Ronnie Brain and all those guys out there in Memphis. Uh, but yeah, man, it's uh, but yeah, you can follow, follow, find us mostly on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. Yeah. And uh, also, if uh, if you're if anybody's in for a podcast, please check out the Baltimore Kid Podcast, Mr. TBK. Uh, great host. I enjoy I enjoyed being on here. Uh, it's fabulous. I appreciate you uh, me being the guest, and I've had an awesome time. A really great, definitely good host. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Well, as he said, I am TBK, the Baltimore Kid. That was Josh Hopkins, also known as the Pain Maker, Josh <laughs> Allen, owner of TBW Tennessee Backyard Wrestling. Josh, send him out with a quick little thirty second promo, bro. Go for it. <laughs> TBW is the greatest promotion of all time, and I am the special cousin of the Anarchy King. Anarchy King, Mr. Ledger, <laughs> the undisputed champion. This has been the Baltimore Kid Podcast <laughs> with Mr. TBK. Ta-ta for now. I bid you and adieu. In a world that's crazy, left, right, and center, why be less when you can be more? This has been the Be More Talkative Podcast. That was Josh Hopkins. We're out of here. Peace.